welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. pray before we get into the rest of what the Lord has for us today. Father, we're asking that as we move forward in this service, that you'd help us with the area of what we need to hear. Lord, we know that you sent your word to heal people and to deliver them from their destructions. That's why we're very interested in hearing what you have to say. That's why we're very interested in hearing preaching from the Bible, because there's healing and delivering power in it. And so, Father, right now we come into agreement that the exact words that need to go into our hearts and make the changes that need to take place will come forth. You will prepare us for the next steps of our life. You will strengthen us for future challenges. You will help us by your Holy Spirit and your holy written word to be more equipped and to live more of an overcoming life in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that it's happening because you love us so much. Amen. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. As I was seeking the Lord about today and praying about just exactly what we need to hear, you know, the Bible is actually 66 books in one. There's a lot in here. I wonder how we're supposed to know what to focus on today. Should we just frantically start reading from Genesis? No. We should pray and say, Lord, what do you have for us today? And then start reading and start searching. And then the Lord will start directing you in the word of God to the exact things you need to hear right now for the unique challenges you're facing today or tomorrow or next week. And so I do that as a pastor. I say, Lord, I don't just go to the Internet and find out the latest, greatest sermon. (laughs) I don't go to a Reader's Digest book and find the most inspirational story. Nothing wrong with those things. It's just that's not what I do when it comes to sharing the word with you on a Sunday morning. I pray. I seek the Lord. I think about you while I'm praying. I pray and I seek the Lord about the challenges people in our own church are going through or the callings upon our life and things that we need to develop like God wants us to develop. And so that's where this came from. So I believe this is hot off the wire. I believe the the red phone has rung and I have picked it up and I'm listening to the Lord and I'm going to share with you what I believe I'm hearing from heaven. And a lot of you are going to know in your heart, this is exactly the right word because you have the Holy Spirit too. And you'll have a witness on the inside of you. This is coming from heaven and man, what a great word. But let me ask you a question. What do you think we should do after we hear from God? Is there anything, is it just stop right there? Is everything... No, we need to believe what he said. Even if it looks wild, we need to believe what he said. Number two, we need to do anything he's telling us to do. Do the scriptures. You know one thing about the Lord telling us things to do? This is really interesting. I don't know. This really blessed me just even a couple weeks ago or last week. The Lord shared this in the area of fear. He said, you know, son, when I tell you to not be afraid, I'm expecting you to obey me. Wait a minute. You mean not being afraid is an obedience issue? Oh, yeah. It's one of the things it is. 
And so the Lord said, if I ever tell you something, son, if I ever tell you to do something or not do something, you need to understand with my commandment comes the power to do what I told you to do. Now, if God says fear not, then the ability to not fear comes with that word. His commands are enablings. If he tells a lame man to stretch forth his hand and there's no hand to stretch forth, if that person will just do everything he can to obey the Lord, the Lord will do the rest because his commands enable you to do what he commands you to do. And if he says, fear not, how about we just don't argue with the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to quit fearing as much as I know how. I'm going to act like a person of faith. I'm not going to act. I'm not going to run away from things that are fearful. And if you do everything you know to do, then the ability of God will come on you to do the rest and you'll find yourself here because you obeyed the Lord. <laughs> Remember, his commandments are enablings. They're not just things to tell us what to do. They're the power to help us to do what we need to do. So thank God for his commandments. They're enablings. Man, if God tells you to do something, you go, praise the Lord. The power to do that just came on the scene when he told me so. Let's look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the New Testament. Paul is speaking to all Christians everywhere. He's specifically talking to the church at Corinth, but he's also talking to all Christians everywhere. So I want you to notice something in 1 Corinthians 10, and let's just read verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Are you there, church? No temptation has overtaken you. Now, I'm, I'm reading out of a, you got the King James up there. I'm reading out of the New King James, but we'll just read it out of the King James. Look up here on the screen. God said, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also Make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, the word temptation is really interesting. If you look up the word temptation in the Greek manuscripts, which these, the, the Bible is translated from original Greek manuscripts, it means by implication adversity. There is no adversity come your way that is not common to man. Can we, can we just stop? Put up on the screen the New King James Version. Let's just keep it up there, guys, of that verse. Um, listen closely. There's no temptation or adversity that's come to you that somebody else hasn't already gone through or is going through. In other words, you're not unique. <laughs> you don't get special attacks of the devil because you're so special. <laughs> Everything you're going through right now, somebody else has already gone through and gotten the victory. God's trying to say here, when the devil tells you you're weird, you're strange, you're unique, you're flaky, you're messed up. You're the only one like this, you flaky thing, you. Just read him the scripture and say, devil, what I'm going through right now is common to man. Brothers and sisters of mine all over the world have gone through these things and they stomped on your head and I'm stomping on your head too. They got through it and I'm getting through it too. Because the devil try to make you think you're weird, perverted, crazy, strange, flaky. Now, it's common to man. Did you know the most holy preacher 
has had ungodly, perverted thoughts come to them? Did you know that? See, see this is where people need to, to get free. Being tempted is not a sin. Yielding to temptation is when you're going to have to start saying, God, forgive me and repent and turn around. Jesus, the sinless, spotless son of God was tempted in all points like as us yet without sin. He didn't veer off of the will of God. He he stuck with the word of God. And he's able to secure us who are tempted because he's been through what we've been through. He's been through anything any human being can go through and he made it. This is one of the reasons we need to keep our eyes on him because if we make, he made it and we keep our eyes on him, we're going to make it. We're going to defy odds. We're going to prove uh, science wrong. <laughs> Natural course of things wrong. Miracles happen, guys. And this scripture says there's no adversity taken us, but such as is common to man. So the first thing you need to realize is this. Adversity is going to come. I said adversity is going to come. And it doesn't mean you're a terrible sinner. It just might mean you live in a fallen world and the devil's taking pop shots at you. Now, we know adversity comes if we persist in living in sin and living in disobedience. That's called unnecessary adversity. And God will even deliver us from that if we'll turn to him with all of our heart. But who wants extra adversity? Anybody want any extra adversity? <laughs> How about we eliminate the extra adversity but that disobedience brings and just deal with the stuff that comes simply because we're in a fallen world and we're all growing and we're all in training for reigning. Okay? Adversity is going to come. It's a part of this fallen world's life. But here's the good news. When you realize that there's a way out of all of it, you aren't so scared anymore. Everybody say way out. Now, we recently finished a series. Now, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue it later on Wednesday nights. A, while, uh, a month ago or so, entitled, Everybody Can Be Healed. Everybody can be healed because Jesus bore everybody's sicknesses and carried everybody's diseases. Everybody can be healed, but not everybody has found the way out of their disease. They haven't found the way out. They haven't seen the way out. And I, I've been there. Carl, we've been there. We've had family members there. Not... not this is a war zone. There's casualties. And I just think we should keep growing and, and finding out from the word of God how to grow, how to learn. I mean, you know, people that have left the earth early, loved ones that have left the earth early. Do you know they want us teaching the truth? Huh? Do you know they want us teaching the word of God and not bringing our experience or bringing the word down to the level of our experiences, but bringing everything in light of the word? There's casual. My, my dad died when he was 37 years old and it wasn't the God's will that he died. It wasn't some mysterious plan of the Lord. He drank. He had cirrhosis of the liver. He started throwing up blood and he died. That's not God taking somebody. Now, let me say this. I think my dad was a believer. I could tell just by little that I knew. My, my mom taught me about him. You have to watch out about hearing certain words. Like the Lord took him. When really a car accident took him and somebody falling asleep at the steering wheel took him. Now, what, what word should we use? How about the Lord received him when this tragedy happened? 
but he didn't push the button and cause it to happen. I like hearing the words, the Lord received them as opposed to the Lord took them because it almost makes God sound like a murderer. <laughs> we were watching a, a trailer for a movie with Nicole Kidman in it. And, and um, it was just a trailer. I never saw the movie. I don't even remember what the movie was, but anybody know who Nicole Kidman is? I think that is, uh, what's the guy's name? The country artist? Keith Urban, his wife. Um, they seem like a fine couple. I watched some of their things during the, the, the lockdown and the people not going anywhere. And they seemed really nice and Christian like. But anyway, she was doing a trailer in this one movie and it was a support group. And all these people who had children die young and, and tragedies happening in their family. They're all trying to get, you know, a support group, getting help from one another and asking questions and all this. And the trailer of this movie focused in on that meeting where all these people in the support group were you know, crying and trying to figure out how to go on with life after the death of a child and things like that. And, and this couple, Nicole Kim and her husband, they had a child that died very young. And I thought this was pretty good for Hollywood. One of the people speaking to Nicole Kim and her husband, and that wasn't her name in the movie, said, well, when, when it came to our child, you know, our child passed away at a very young age and she started crying. This is sad. This is sad stuff. I just... I'm not saying this is not real. This is sad stuff. But she said, I guess when our little baby died, God just wanted another little angel in heaven. And so he took her. And Nicole Kidman, and I don't know what her name was in the movie, said, why didn't God just make another one? He's God. And they said, what'd you say? She said, well, if God's God, why didn't he just create another angel as opposed to take your child? If he's God, he can create another angel. Why would he kill your kid? That's a good point. If he's God, why didn't he just create another angel? Why would he want to take your little baby? Well, the, the reality is this. He doesn't take little babies. It's not his will that one of these little ones perish. There's other reasons and forces in this dark, fallen world that things happen. Everything from demons and free will and to the curse of the law. And this is why it's so important to stay in the word, go to church, be aware of these things on a constant, regular basis. So that when these things try to happen to you or your loved ones, you've been equipped. You know how to rebuke in Jesus name. You know how to pray the prayer of faith. You know how to worship God. You, you see the way out. It's, it's a growing experience. I mean, I, I wish I could tell you right now, every prayer, I, every prayer I prayed came to pass. There's people I prayed for that died right after I prayed for them. What do you do? Well, you got a couple options. Number one, you can say this Christianity stuff doesn't work. Point your finger at God and say, God, I hate you and run away and, and die in your sins and end up in a devil's hell. Or you could say, I don't know it all. This is a war zone. The Lord warned me that this was a warfare. He told me to put on armor. He told me I had weapons that were not carnal, but mighty through God. He told me that I need to understand some things about angels and the power of God in the name of Jesus. I think I'll keep growing. I think I'll keep getting down because really the loved ones that, that have died and, and have gone to be with the Lord, they're in a better place anyway. So the victory is not lost. It's just they went home a little early. They went home a little early. And in God's timing, <clears throat> if a loved one passes away today and you live another 30 years, in God's timing, that 30 years is like an hour or two. So you're only an hour or two behind him. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You following? What's been a hundred years to us is like a day to the Lord. Last night. Huh. 
So what we want to do is we want to stay around long enough till we've done what we know we were called to do. Till we've helped the people we know we were called to help. And there's, there, like my dad, I said, he died at the age of 37, cirrhosis of the liver. I was like seven or eight years old. I remember talking to him on his deathbed and he said, Johnny, every, everything's going to be okay. And I could tell you he was scared and I didn't know anything. I was an eight-year-old kid, you know. I remember my dad had a, had a severe drinking problem and I think, you know, uh, some other things were passed down through his family. And I think my grandpa was a relief driver for Al Capone at one time in Chicago and, and they moved to Southern California. Louis Capetto, my grandfather, jet black hair, slicked back. Great tan, good sized nose, dark frame glasses, you know, just the kind of guy you'd think was totally Italian. And, uh, but I mean, you know, everybody has stuff that tries to pass down through their family, good and bad. And I tell you, stop the bad and claim the good. <laughs> Amen. Um, I remember one time I, I came in from, this was terrible. I came in from well, my mom and my sister and my brother and I, we walked to the, to the grocery store, Vaughn's supermarket in La Crescenta, California back in the 60s and I was like a seven-year-old kid and I walked in and, and, and I was trying to find my dad and I walked into the bathroom and there he was on the floor, blood everywhere. That'll have an impact on a seven-year-old kid. I mean, I had to deal with things because of that instance even many years later in my life. I mean, demonic stuff. And so, I mean, I, I walked, I mean, the devil will kill young people if he can, but let's not let him do that anymore, especially our young kids, right? And so I walked in there and, I, and, I, and he said, Johnny, I fell and I hit my head. I said, oh, daddy, what do I do? And he said, just, just go get mommy. And I went and got her and she was still walking home. And later in life, like, I mean, after we moved out here, dad was already gone. And um, my mom said, no, he didn't fall. He, he had attempted suicide. He had a razor blade and cut his wrist and and I didn't know that as a kid. I didn't want to know that as a kid. I mean, give me a break. Just seeing the blood was enough. And so it was very dysfunctional life. I mean, gunshots going off in the house, knives and just weird stuff. And, um, and so when he died and I started and I got saved, I started realizing, man, the devil got in and knocked my dad out. See, that wasn't the Lord taking him at 37. Alcoholism took him. Bad decisions took him. I like what Kenneth Copeland says. He goes, he goes it's really not as big of a question as you think. Why bad things happen to good people? Good people can make bad choices. That's one reason right there. I mean, God gave us free will. And if we, I remember, <clears throat> we've told this story before, Mark Lowry. Anybody remember Mark Lowry, the Christian comedian? He was in a bus with a band, I think. And they were going all over the United States having Christian concerts and ministry and getting people saved, having huge altar calls, young people getting born again everywhere. And they're on the road, you know, doing the will of God and going to the next city. And they're just excited about seeing more kids saved. I mean, God's blessing is on this ministry. And they're driving down the road in the bus late at night. And all of a sudden, the bus driver wrecks the bus. They crash and they all end up in the hospital. It's because the bus driver fell asleep. And so Mark Lowry's in the hospital, the Christian comedian that was on tour with him. He's in the hospital saying, okay, God, I'm glad nobody got killed. But God, what happened? Why, why did this happen, God? Like, you know, God, what, what, what's your purpose, God, in this happening? God, why did this happen? We were going to get more people saved. Why, why, why did you allow the bus to wreck? God, what, what, what's going on here? What happened? He's expecting some super spiritual, mysterious answer like, well, I am sovereign and you don't know everything about the universe. And I... He prayed to God and said, God, why did this happen? And God told him, 
son, the bus driver fell asleep. (laughs) No, God, you did this. No, I didn't do it. The bus driver fell asleep. But why didn't you stop it? Because I gave you free will. For me to stop everything you're choosing is to me to violate my own principles of giving you free will. What an amazing answer. The bus driver fell asleep. Wow. Now, isn't that better than saying God took him? Now, nobody died in that one that I remember, but let's say people did pass away in certain things like that. Watch out about saying God took them. Because it almost leaves the implication God wanted it to happen. God pushed the button so it would happen. God planned it to happen for some mysterious reason. He wanted to take a young husband away from three little kids and a wife. No. God receives any one of his children no matter how they exit the earth. He receives them. He welcomes them. But that doesn't mean he's involved with the reason they left. This is, this is important stuff. Now, I wish I could say every church and every Christian in the world believed what I'm telling you right now. But it's the truth, guys. There's scripture after scripture. I remember one time the disciples said, Jesus, these people in this city, they're mean to you. They're not receiving you. Let's do what Elijah did and call fire down on them. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're yielding to, guys. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. God allowing something to happen is totally different than God wanting something to happen. You know why he allows a lot of things to happen? Because he allows people to do what they want to do. Here's an interesting thought. Did you know any one of us today after this service, and I do not recommend you do this. I'm telling you, do not do this. All right, this is my disclaimer. But did you know because of the free will that God gave you, you could leave this building today? And before the end of the day, go rob a gas station, a convenience store. Do you know you can do that? And God will allow you to do it. Well, him allowing you to do it doesn't mean he wants you to do it. Him allowing you to do it does not mean it's his will. We got to quit blaming God for things he's not doing. I know some people, they find a scripture here and there. They think this proves their theory and all that. But there's a zillion scriptures that tell us that Jesus is not the killer. He's not the stealer. He's not the destroyer. He's the one that came to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. He came to give us everything that Adam lost in the fall of man. He loves you. He's your best friend. And he's not in cahoots with the devil to make life miserable for you to develop some kind of character in you. Did you know that the enemy, God told us we have an adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion who walks about seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible says, resist him steadfast in the faith. What if you don't know how to do that? You're at a little bit of a disadvantage in this battlefield. And the scripture comes to pass. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, God will help us while we're growing in knowing. But did you know if we're not interested in God's plan for our life? And let let me just say this. God has a plan for every one of your lives. And it's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. 
This is God's plan for your life. So if it's not in line with protection and prosperity and hope and a good future, then it's probably not God's plan for your life. The devil has a plan for life. You probably got a plan for your life. Your parents may have a plan for your life. What plan should you be most interested in? The Lord's plan. Right? You want to be most interested in the Lord's plan. Right? You know, here's the thing. When we refuse to follow God's plan for our life, just, just not interested. Just Maybe I'll call out to him if I hit a brick wall, but as far as going the direction he wants me to go, I kind of want to do my own thing. Listen, when we are not interested in God's plan for our life, we will encounter tests and trials he never intended us to encounter. I don't want any extra adversity. <laughs> I mean, you think, well, well wait a second. If I, if I live perfect, I won't have any problems. Well, on the contrary, you're still going to have tests and trials, and there's still a devil, and he's still going to try to tempt you to doubt and fear and all this other stuff. He's going to still try to tempt you to sin. He's going to still try to put pressure on you, make sure to dart your way once in a while. Jesus had adversity. Paul had adversity. And they weren't sinners. Now, Paul was before he got saved, but he did pretty good after he was saved. I'm not saying he was perfect, but he did pretty good. So you have to understand, adversity coming to you doesn't mean you're a flake. It might mean that you're in a position to overcome this thing and prove the Word of God works again. Now, the word temptation, go ahead and put 1 Corinthians 10, 13 back up there. It means by implication, adversity. The Bible said there's no adversity come your way that hasn't come to somebody else. No way. Nobody's had these thoughts before. Nobody's had these fears before. Want to bet? Probably the person next to you. <laughs> they just haven't voiced it. It's interesting because some people will voice their problems and you'll think that they're the only ones going through that. When really, almost everybody in the room has been through it. They just haven't voiced it. They decided to voice something else instead. Like the Word of God or Scriptures. And it's not wrong to talk to people once in a while about problems you're going through. Get somebody to help you. But watch out about being a PR for the devil. You know, watch out about expressing everything the devil's throwing your way. So the W.E. Vines, okay, so the word temptation, by implication in the Greek language, means adversity. So it's more than just tempting to sin. It could be a temptation to fear. It could be a temptation to give up in your fight against a disease or, or whatever. It could be your temp it could be a temptation to doubt. And these things come to everybody. And like I said, we've, we've, we've won some and we've lost some in these areas. But there's one thing we will never lose. And that is the blessed hope that when we or a loved one leaves this earth, we are with the Lord forever. And no sickness, no disease, no devil, no fear, nor darkness can ever take that away from us. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not so much afraid of death when you realize its stinger has been pulled for you, the believer. And so, you know, I, I know we, we've had other people in our life who, who've passed away and it didn't look like they came to full fruition. But you know what? We're going on with God. We're believing what he said. We're, they'd want us learning more. They'd want us. They're saying, preach it, man. Preach faith. Preach Jesus. Preach by his stripes. We're healed. Preach it. Preach it. I can hear my mom saying, preach it. Preach it. Whether I walked in it fully or not, preach it, preach it. Grow, get stronger, go deeper. 
Don't back off. Last thing you want to do is back off. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that there's a devil and that there's demons and they're out to make life difficult for us. If they can, they'll put people six feet under before their time. I've had that happen in my life. What do you say about that, Pastor? I say God's best wasn't manifest there, but praise God, the greatest is still in effect because they're in heaven. They're in heaven. I think sometimes we don't realize how how much of a warfare this life is. The coolest thing about our Christianity in this war zone is that the war is already won. Jesus won it for us. We know that when we leave this earth, we're present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the Bible says, and the Bible says to depart this life and to be with Christ, far better than any good time you've ever had on this earth times a million. I was just reading some heaven testimonies recently. I showed Carla like four of them. And one of them, <clears throat> they had uh, cancer and it, and it destroyed them very young in life. And, and this person slipped into a coma and left their body. And they said they came to this place that was so warm. I thought it was interesting. They said it was warm, bright, and no doubt or fear was anywhere. Even if you look for it, you couldn't find it. Just perfect peace absolute tranquility. They were said I, I was more aware than I ever had. I like I had a 360 degree view of my, my surroundings. It was amazing. It's like I could see all directions. I knew everything that was going bright and sharp. And this one person said that when they were in this amazing place, I mean, just absolutely amazing. They said that they heard from the Lord that if you keep going, you will not be able to go back to the earth because there comes a point where it's just, you're there, you're there, man. It's like, <laughs> I'm here. I, well, it's like, you just, you just see things from a higher perspective. But uh, the Lord told this one person, you need to go back. There's some people you need to help. You need to tell this story to some people. I want you to tell it. Heaven is absolutely amazing. We cannot comprehend it with our brain. I was listening to one testimony of a person who said he went to heaven, but the Lord said he had to go back because he wasn't done. But when you go back into your body, you'll be healed. You'll be fine. Everything will be taken care of. Cancer will be gone or whatever it was. You'll be fine. But you need to go back because there's some things I need you to do. And there's some people I need you to talk to about this place that you're seeing right now, because a lot of people don't believe it's real. So go back. Tell him about it. He said the one person I was thinking, I get some of these stories mixed up. But one person said he could not like, let's say that's heaven. He could not go like this and leave heaven. He said, I, couldn't, I had to back out. I could not take my eyes off of, my attention off of heaven. It was amazing. <clears throat> this one, one person went to heaven. He was an eight-year-old boy. He said he, he found himself out of his body after playing baseball. He was an eight-year-old boy in Oklahoma. And he said, uh, he said he felt a supernatural pull pull him out of his body. After he got in from baseball, you know, taking his shoes off. He said all of a sudden he realized he was out of his body above his house in Texas. And he said he saw himself just flying toward Denmark and Sweden. And pretty soon phew, he's out of the earth's atmosphere, just like that. And he said he traveled through that zone where demon spirits rule and reign, you know, wicked spirits in high places. He said he was traveling through this like an angel was carrying him or something. All of a sudden he passed this line and he said, if there was any doubt or fear in me at all, it had to fall off before I crossed this line and it just fell off. He said, I couldn't doubt if I tried. I couldn't be afraid if I tried. He said he passed this line and he found himself in this bright, amazing place. 
And he said there was a gate in front of him made of pearl, one pearl, and it was miles long. And it went, and the gate went straight up. None of this. <laughs> they said this, the gate went straight up. And he said he saw a figure coming toward him. And when he came into focus, he said it was Jesus. I could tell it was Jesus. Jesus didn't have to say a word. He said, one look at him and you can tell he had power. And he said, he looked into his eyes and he said, the love of God overwhelmed him. And he called this boy's name and said, I just, I I wanted to give you a tour of heaven today because I love you so much. He said, the boy said, I looked at the gate. It was so glossy. I could hardly look at it. And then the whole experience of his his tour of heaven is absolutely amazing. It's it's, it's quite an interesting story. I don't believe all heaven stories. Personally, I have to make sure that they line up with scripture and that they line up with the spirit of God inside of me saying, yeah, that's that's the scripture. That's I mean, I'm not saying they're not true. It's just if it's not in the word, I don't like to I don't know if I hear something like off the wall, I'll just kind of put it on the back burner or something. But and that there are some heaven stories that I do believe, especially the one Paul talked about in Second Corinthians 12. He said that 14 years ago, I knew somebody who went to heaven, paradise, heard words that were not lawful for man to utter. He said, I was caught up into the glory. He said, there was things, it's just amazing. Paradise is like this Chinese word for the most tranquil, peaceful, blessed place you've ever been in your life and state and feeling. But anyway, heaven's real. Who's going, who's going with me? Who's, how, how do we get to heaven? You don't go just because you want to. How do we get to heaven? We don't go just because we cry. We don't go because we're good. We don't go because we're nice. We don't go because we've been baptized in water. We don't go because we go to church. The only, re- the only way you get to heaven is if you say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Savior of my life. Paul says, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be saved, then you need to believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. You believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you want to be saved and go to heaven, the second thing you have to do is you have to say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe he was raised from the dead and you say with your mouth that he's Lord, God said you're saved. That doesn't sound hard. No, he did the hard part. (laughs) He died on the cross, right? He went to hell. He rose from the dead. He took the blows. He became sin so we could become righteous. He, He took it all. Can I share one more thing before you go? Turn to 2 Chronicles. This won't take very long at all because it's about time to close here. I want you to see today when it comes to adversity coming to you. Before you go to 2 Chronicles, can you put that back on the screen one more time? 1 Corinthians 10. If you guys, if you look up here one more time, no temptation or adversity has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Now notice these next words. God is faithful. Faithful to do what? Faithful in what respect? Faithful in what? Toward us. He's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted, tested, or tried beyond what you are able to overcome. That's what he's saying. Look it. 
but he will with the temptation or with the allowing, he doesn't send them, he just knows they're going to come. With the allowing of the temptation, God will also, he's faithful to do this, he will also make a way of escape that you may be destroyed and crunched and blotted out. No, that you may be able to overcome it, bear it. Oh, come on. You need to understand this, church. You need to understand this. If you're living your life for God, doing the best you know how to do, and an adversity comes your way, the first thing that comes to your mind is, if it's allowed, I can beat it. First thing that should come to your mind, if it's allowed, there's a way out. There's a way. Now, now listen closely. Just because there's a way out doesn't mean you're going to take the way out. What's this implying? You need to go to the map. Come on, if we would go to God like we go to Siri, we'd get to a lot better destinations. Are you listening to What do you do when you go to Siri? Siri, you know there's a way to get where you want to go, so you study and find out how to get there. Friend, there's a way to healing. There's a way to deliverance. There's a way to blessing. There's a way to restoration. There's a way to success. But you got to say, hey, God, directions to, to healing. And uh, his directions to you might be a tad bit different than his directions to me. Why? Listen very closely, church, very closely. We do not receive help from God according to what he's able to do. We receive help from God according to our faith in what he can and will do for us. That's why there's different ways out for different people, because you may be in a different level of faith than I'm at. I may be in a different level of faith than you're at. My level of faith may be, John, I'm looking for the way out of this. I'm looking for the way out of this seemingly impossible situation. And God says, John, I know where you're at in faith better than you know where you're at in faith. I want you to go to the doctor and I want you to take me with you. And I want you to ask me to mix my power with medicine or surgery and you will come out of this way better than if it was just a natural procedure. That's called the natural and the supernatural working together. It's called faith and medicine working together. God is our healer and he will, if you will invite him into the surgery and ask him to put his hand on the surgeon's hand and have his eyes work through the surgeon's eyes and pray that God would mix his power in the medicine, you'll still see a miracle. But now if you're going to try to take another way out that he didn't talk to you about, like maybe Kenneth Hagin took out, but you're not where Kenneth Hagin was at in faith, you're not going to get very much. So when it comes to looking for this way out of the adversity, and let me say it again, there's two kinds of adversity. One is just stuff's going to happen because you live in a fallen world. And some of this stuff, the Lord that will allow to happen is because he already knows you can beat it. Or he would not have allowed it. He's faithful. God's outcome of all of our trials is that we're more mature, established, strengthened, and settled, and not destroyed. That's his will for our outcome. Is that how everybody has the outcome? No, not everybody has that outcome because some are not interested in the way out. They're not looking at the map. They're not seeking the Lord. So instead of going to that scripture, I'll just tell you what it is. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat was in a situation where he and his country and his family was all going to die within a few hours. They were going to die. The armies coming against them from Mount Seir and Ammon and all these other places were so great, they knew they were going to be wiped out. 
They got word from the, the seers, the people that were watching and the, the people checking out where the enemies were. He said, Jehoshaphat, I'm sorry, but the people that are coming against you are so greater than you, you you're just, you're in trouble. And so Jehoshaphat decided to seek the Lord. Big mistake most people make is they first decide to talk to somebody on Facebook about it. That's not seeking the Lord. As wonderful as our friends are, as wonderful as our advice is at times, I'm sure. He decided to seek the Lord. He hit the dirt. He called a fast. He said, it's time to seek the Lord. We got to turn off the TV for a while. We got to turn off the social media for a while. It's time to seek the Lord. Because they're going to die if they didn't do this. Trouble came and he was afraid. And he started praying and started talking to God. God, God, God. I know we're not perfect, but our hearts are towards you, Jesus. Oh, God. You promised us, Lord, that if famine or epidemics ever came in the land or our disease or our enemies ever came against us or the sword came against us. You promised us, Father, you promised us that if we would seek your face and look to you and turn from our wicked ways, you promised, Lord, you would help us. He's pleading this case. And he gets down to, I don't know, verse 13 or so. He says, God, we don't know what to do. Now, Lisa Osteen just taught a really great message a while back. We just watched it. Joel's sister on um, when you don't know what to do. Now, I know nobody in here can relate to that because we've always known what to do. Right. <laughs> what happens when you get to that place when you don't know what to do? Jehoshaphat said, Lord, I don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Now, things are going to try to get your eyes off of the Lord so you miss the way out. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord and say, God, my, our eyes are on you. Instead of panicking and doing what you feel like doing and pulling your hair and telling everybody and getting, oh, what am I going to do? You just say, no, no, no. See, the temptation to go berserk has to be resisted. And you can resist it because there's a way out of that. You look to the Lord, you look to the scriptures, you calm down. And you say, Jesus, your word is true. Show me where to read. What book do you want me to read right now? Maybe the name of Jesus. Maybe how to be led by the Spirit. What do you want me to do? A natural book on, on health and nutrition. What do you want me to look at, Lord? What do you want me to look at? I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you. And not too long after that, someone in the congregation said, I got a word from the Lord. Jehoshaphat said, speak on. And the, prophet, the, the person rose up and said, the Lord wants me to tell you, Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid. For the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. <laughs> That's all they needed. They got faith from that word. They sent praise and worship singers out against this army. And God sent ambushments. And the enemy turned on themselves and killed each other till they were all dead. Jehoshaphat and his army didn't have to do one thing, didn't have to lift one finger. And they went in and all these, are, are, the enemy... They had all kinds of precious stones and jewels on them and gold and silver. And it took them three days to recover all the spoil. They didn't have to lift one finger to fight. God fought the battle for them. Isn't it good to seek the Lord and find out his way out? Oh, glory to God. Let's stand up, church. If you can, let's stand up and thank the Lord for this. Say this. There is a way out. God's not playing hide and seek with that way out. There's a way out of every adversity. Now, I told you earlier that there is another type of adversity that comes and there's still a way out of it. It's just kind of like extra adversity, which I don't like. Like I said, nobody wants extra adversity, right? 
So, so let's go ahead and make sure that we're not opening the door to unnecessary adversity by knowingly and blatantly going against the Word of God for our lives. Say, Pastor, how do I get out of that adversity? Seek the Lord. There's a way, it, one of the things people are going to have to do if they're in adversity because of lifestyles of sin that they know are sin, they're going to have to do the R word. <laughs> Repent. That's a great life-saving word, church. You'll find out many times in the Bible when people came to the realization, I have sinned, and they said that, deliverance was right on the heels of that. I have sinned, and all of a sudden David's restored. Didn't even have to step down from being a king. After murder and adultery and stealing a man's wife of his own people. Interesting that David didn't even have to step down after something like that. You know, if he would have stepped down, he would have done another disobedient thing, and he didn't want that. Man doesn't call us, and man can't tell us when to step down. Moses. Abraham. <laughs> oh, man. It's like people have messed up, but you know why they made it? You know why they got through? Because they kept their eyes on the Lord. They kept their hearts soft toward God. One of the greatest things you need to be doing in your life is make sure your heart is right. You know, nothing like this before God. You know, like, God, I've already told you all my sins. You knew them before I told you. You know, it's kind of nice to be right with people too, right? So when you see them at the mall, you don't have to go like this because of guilt, you know. She'd be able to go, hey, how's it going? You know, because you've held no ill will. You've, you've not talked bad about them behind their back. You know why people walk on the other side of the mall from you when you're at the mall? Because they've been talking wrong about you behind your back and they can't handle the guilt. They say, well, if I just stay away from them, I won't have to deal with that. No, friend, you want your heart to be right and you want to do everything in your power to get right with God and people. It's, it's kind of the time right now where we all need to sit down and say, Lord, is there anybody I need to tell I'm sorry to? Why? Because you want your heart right. You don't want anything bothering your insides. It messes with your ability to receive help from God. And God may bring a couple names to you. Actually, he brought a couple names to me, which I've already planned to, to, to deal with. But um, I, don't want, I don't want anything messing with my conscience. And when you're looking for the way out, you just want a clear road. You know, you don't want, you don't want Siri speaking in French when you need her to speak in English, you know. S'il vous plaît. Bonjour Jacques. Bonjour Pierre. Ça va, oui, ça va. J'ai loupé un exemple de tomber. What? I wasn't speaking in tongues. That was actually French. I still remembered it from junior high, okay. So let's just pray right now that the Lord opens our eyes to anything that we need to see concerning the way out of a struggle we've been presently in. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now that you would open our eyes. If you haven't already, please do so. If you have, keep them open, Lord, as long as we need to deal with what we need to deal with. Heavenly Father, you're faithful. You will not allow an adversity to come our way that you didn't first know we had the ability to overcome and escape from. <clears throat> oh, Father, we're not going to worry. We're, we resist the temptation to fear because you're faithful. Yeah, it may get tough. Yes, it may get struggle. Yes, it may feel like we're going to die. But we're going to overcome because you're faithful. And when all is said and done, 
not only will we be delivered from the problem, we will have grown in faith. We will have developed in love. We will have gotten stronger, become more established and settled and strengthened. And so, Father, we thank you for not allowing anything to come our way that we do not have a way out of and a way to overcome. This gives us peace, Father. This helps us to rest assured that we're going to make it. You know, sometimes when people do pass away in our life and loved ones pass away, it can seem very overwhelming. Many times I've done funerals and I've mentioned the scripture where David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, God, you'll lead me to the rock that's higher than myself. And a lot of times when there is the death of a loved one, it seems overwhelming. It feels like we'll never be normal again. But you know what? There's a way out of that feeling. Your loved one is in heaven. Your loved one is in glory. If we could see where they are, we wouldn't want them back anyway. But at times like that, the temptation is to think, I don't know if I'll ever get over this. I'm not sure the grayness will ever subside. Will it ever become bright again? I'll always be alone. No, you won't. There's a way out. Jesus said there's a way out. There's a way into great happiness, great understanding, great contentment, great purpose of life. There's a way out. You know, we've all had loved ones that have departed and they've gotten on that spiritual airplane. They're in another city right now whose builder maker is God. It has foundations. It's an amazing city. They're there. They're there a couple hours before us in God's timing. But now it's not our loved ones that we feel sorry for. It's us that have to overcome and not give in to the lie of the devil that says you'll never feel normal again. Life will never be as good anymore. You'll never see them again. Lie, lie, lie. You got to overcome the temptation that says, I just, I just don't think it can be better. That's doubt. No, no. There's a way out of that doubt. There's a way out of fear. There's a way out of loneliness. There's a way out of lack of purpose. There's a way out of those feelings that you know are not from heaven. And so, Father, as, you, as we look to you right now, we believe you are showing us the way up and the way out into a large place where there's fullness of joy and strength and ministry to others. For we'll minister to others the comfort you've given us in this time. And ministries are birthed out of seemingly hopeless situations. Ministries to other, others and helping others on high levels is birthed out of times of pain and letting God heal you up so you can help others in the same situation. Oh, the Lord wants you to be a comforter. But first, you must find it and realize His comfort's there for you. Know that it's for more than just feeling better, although that's a part of it, is so you can help others make it through life and make it through difficult times that the Lord's helped you through. Every person in this room has a ministry. Every person in this room has something to do for God. Every person in this room has a part in the local church. Every person in this room has a divine purpose that is amazing and that will keep you strong till you're done and the day you leave. Oh, Father, we thank you. Open our eyes. Show us the way out. Show us our purpose. Show us the things we need to see. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So pray this prayer with me, especially if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're not 100% sure that you'd go to heaven if you died today, please pray this prayer with me. Seal your salvation. Know that you know you're a child of God. Say this prayer with all of your heart. 
And if you've already prayed this prayer, just say it as an affirmation of what you've already done and in support to those who've never done it. Let's make sure everybody in the sound of my voice is, is born again today and goes to heaven when they leave this earth. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I love you. I believe in you. And I believe with all my heart. You came to this earth. We're born in a manger. You lived a sinless life. You did the will of the Father God. You went to the cross so I wouldn't have to. You were murdered and killed. And when you left your body, you went down and paid the price for me. So I wouldn't have to go down when I leave the earth. But then three days later, God the Father, by the Holy Spirit, raised you from the dead through faith in the operation of God. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And Jesus is alive at the right hand of the Father forevermore. And I'll be with him when I leave this earth. Geographically, I'll be with him. Because right now, I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe with all my heart, God raised him from the dead. And so according to the Bible, I am saved. I'll not be afraid to die. I'll not be afraid of what happens after physical death. Because I'm a believer in Jesus. And Jesus didn't lie to me. I will not perish. I have everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) And that is what our church is all about right there. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 